This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is Tyrese Campbell. This is Ben Wilmot and you're listening to the Every Step Along The Way podcast. Hello and welcome back to your very latest episode of Every Step Along the Way. So, what has been, a, been another eventful week, hasn't it? And here to uh, chat over it is the ever-reliable Michael Stockley. Hello, Mike. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you, mate. It's been a busy week at, uh, at work, to be honest. I've, I've said to you earlier on, I fell asleep at like seven o'clock and woken up. And then, it, you know that feeling. I think we've all been there. You wake up when you shouldn't have woken up and um, then you feel 10 times worse for it. So, yeah, good looking good. I've got um, uh, Professor Brian Cox at the Regent Theatre tomorrow night. So looking forward to that. Uh, it's not all doom and gloom on on the and uh, the life front right now. I'm sure Stoke will do the best to disappoint me, but beyond that, um, not a bad week. Thanks. How about you? Yeah, not bad at all. Took a few days to uh, to digest another defeat and and sort of um, the seven stages of grief has come into terms of <laughs> losing the old championship status. And I think at one point I sent you a list of good things about League One, didn't it? That was acceptance, that was. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I knew it was bad. If you were sending me that, I was like, I've broken him. I've broken him. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, if we go down, it's not all doom and gloom. We we could get to Wembley in the auto windscreens, LDV, whatever it's called, Papa John's trophy thing these, this time next year. <laughs> um, oh, silver linings and all that. I think one of the one of the plus points I put was we enter the FA Cup of the first round. Good play on the league side. That'd be something new. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yes. Anyway, I think we'll save that just for when the situation becomes a little bit more doomed. I think we'll have that conversation. Um, but we actually, it's not just me and you this week, is it? We have a very regular voice returning to the podcast. Laurie, how are you, mate? Hi, Dan. Hi, Mike. Um, little apology from me. I've missed uh, the last couple that I've been invited on to down to uh, various family things. But, um, yeah, apologies not for making those. But happy happy to be back on. I was saying to Mike earlier, 
Um, I've got the panic button very close to me at the moment with with what's happening down at Stoke, and uh, I'm I'm not sure whether to press it now or am I going to wait until after Saturday. Um, very very sort of squeaky bum time, but I'm sure we'll get into all of it and uh, unpack it all. But yeah, happy to be back on. You've got the uh, red um, nuclear button out on the desk. That the, the plastic case is is over, but you can see the red button. It's waiting to be pressed, but just can't, can't <laughs> quite get there. Is that kind of where we are, yeah? That's exactly what you're talking about, yeah. <laughs> well, don't worry. We'll, we'll Hopefully, over the next few weeks, we can shepherd you away from that button and you won't be required. <laughs> um yeah, let, let's dive straight in then. I mean, for anyone who doesn't know, we did do a Spaces review of Cardiff um, last Saturday. Um, so we took to Twitter, Saturday night, there was loads of interaction, loads of voices, uh, brilliant. It was really, probably the best one we've done, I think, Mike, when it comes to interaction with the sort of the, the listeners, if you like. Yeah, it was it was actually re- really decent because I think a lot of people are on the same wavelength. But I think it was quite interesting in the sense that you know some people were doom and gloom. I'll put my head in in, in that picture. But other people were were seeing a, you know some positives in there. And um, I think you no, know, there are still positives. It's not over by by a long chalk yet. Uh, but yeah, it was it was really good. And obviously you you know you end up going into the conversation around. You know, Ricky Martin and Peter Coates, that's probably been done to death by now. Um, but you know, it's it's a good sounding board. It was it was a really good time. An hour and a half it was, which was about half an hour longer than I ever expected. Yeah, for sure. I think um I mean we start to say towards the end and there was more people coming forward and asking to speak and that. So we probably could have carried on going. Uh, but yeah, we had to cut it at some point. Um, so yeah, basically as well, that is available. If you want to get if you haven't if you didn't know it was there or you haven't seen it, haven't listened to it, it should be on your podcast feeds. Uh, obviously it's the most recent one before this one. Um it, so you can go back, listen to it. Talk about Cardiff, talk about the situation, the rest of the season, where we look, you know, why we're in this situation, all sorts of stuff. So we're gonna now touch on Cardiff, but maybe not in as much detail because a lot of people may feel that they've already had been Cardiff defeated out, if you like, um, listening to that podcast. So I mean, getting into the game itself, then what what do you guys think was the, the the biggest contributing factor to that defeat. I'll start with you, Larry. As you know, someone we have we haven't sort of heard your opinions for a few weeks. Do you, what what again? What you know? How have we been defeated once more? I think it's having to climb the hill so so early on in the game. You're conceding a goal in the fourth minute straight away. Everyone feels incredibly dejected. <laughs> Dejected. I almost got that word wrong. Um, not just uh, in the away supporting scene, but on the pitch as well. So you know, you you hand almost gift wrap the opposition two goals. You're having to try and scratch your way back into the game. It's it's very frustrating. Six losses in the last seven. You're you're almost thinking now, in terms of. Uh, all-round team perspective just need a result like performances is one thing it's it's always nice to have a good team performance but the fans just want something scrappy now and and a win it it doesn't really matter how the performance is looking 
Um, Schumacher discussed effort levels, and and that's fine. We can talk about effort all the time, but um, application, it's there's zero punch in the team now, and I just think the players are all looking around every time there is a goal that we concede. You just see body language as negative as it can be. And they're all looking for leaders. And we've said it before. I, I just I just don't see any leaders in that team. It just it it's void of it. It's it's funny you should mention obviously conceding the first goal and giving ourselves a mountain. Because that's exactly how I thought. I mean I'll, I'll throw some things at you now, right? And then you let me know what you think. So only Rotherham and Sunderland, 20 times this season, they've conceded more, they conceded the first goal more than Stoke, who've done it 19 times. So we conceded the first early doors, didn't we? The second early as well. Do you know, since we played Bristol City away in October, when we came from 2-0 down, didn't we, to win 3-2 again, a game that we conceded earlier, we've played 25 matches. When scoring first, we've won six, drew two, lost none. Them draws being both games under Paul Gallagher when we went one up against Swansea and West Brom and both drew them both 1-1. When conceding the first goal, we've lost every single game apart from the 1-1 draw at Watford in December. So over 25 matches, whoever scored the first has gone on to win in all but three of them. Now, this is probably why we're having such poor form. Cardiff, 1-0 down, 5 minutes. 2-0 down, 32 minutes. Blackburn, the last away game, 1-0 down, 7 minutes. 2-0 down, 20 minutes. 3-0 down, 37 minutes. Game over at that point. They need to wake up. Yeah, Leicester, 1-0 down, 26 minutes. 2-0 down, 30 minutes. Sunderland, that was just for half time, 43 minutes, 1-0 down. Birmingham, 1-0 down, 10 minutes. Watford away, 1-0 down, 15 minutes. But then look at the start of second halves in the last... Brighton, 2-1 down after 52 minutes. Birmingham, 2-0 down, 49 minutes. Sunderland, 2-0, 49 minutes. Coventry, 1-0, 51 minutes. So that's in the last 10 matches... We've conceded four times in the first seven minutes after half-time. And we've also conceded in the fifth minute, the seventh minute, the tenth minute. It's Obviously, there's a real lack of concentration at the start of halves. What, how, what, you know, the manager, he must be rallying them up. He must be getting, you know, thinking he's getting them going. What can he do? How, how can he make sure that we're not in this situation again this this coming Saturday. I mean, to start with, don't go out trying to attack for the first 15 minutes. I know that sounds really negative, but I can't believe that. When you just outlined it in that in that way, it felt like it, but that that's pretty appalling. Like you say, if you take the first half ones where we're 2-0 down within half an hour, we know that we can't outscore teams. We've proven that all season. Like We, we don't outscore anybody. Um, so to go and give two goals away, or even a, even start off as as we've said, you know, go one nil down, we don't get anything from it. So we, to go and do that, like mentally as well, 
it must just be a proper kick in the teeth every time. And we must concede a goal and we go, oh, sod this, then we've lost. Like, the actual confidence levels must be absolutely rock bottom. But I just think, Luke, yeah, you come out. Uh, I know people say, oh, you know, start start off, you know, we're at home, start off being the attacking team, go on the front foot. You know what? Let's not, because it's it's certainly not doing as many favours. Like, let's go out there, be hard to beat for the first 10, 15, 20 minutes, and then let's start to attack. And the same again for the second half. Maybe we, you know, if, if we haven't got the quality and we haven't got the concentration, then just try and make yourselves hard to beat for, for those periods. And I think that goes as a whole, if, if I'm honest with you, but I think we'll come back to that. Um, but yeah, I just think we need to stop being so gung-ho. Yeah. That's that's a really good point. I mean, funda- fundamentally, I think that's ingrained and embedded in in those players' minds. Though we are a team that concedes early, and if you have that mindset, it is it's poisonous. It's so so difficult to get out of their heads. They're going out onto that pitch and they're thinking, oh, and. At the moment, I I feel, I'm not sure about how you guys feel about this, but I feel that we get punished for every single error, um, big error that we make. And and teams are very, very quick to punish us for it. Um, How how do you guys feel about that? I think, yeah, I I think we we do get punished, but I think that's that's the nature of the championship, isn't it? You know, you... The, there's still a lot of I wouldn't say I, I mean the start of the season was going oh this is our best champ this is the best championship for years it's still a couple of good teams and a bunch of average teams that's what it really is for me it's it's never really been an awful lot to you know different I'd probably say that the caliber is slightly better I, I I do agree with you I'm not sure about Dan I I do agree with you I think there's there's an element of bad fortune, but I think you make your own luck. I think I think there's definitely an element of that if you don't leave yourself so wide open. And that, to be fair, sorry to jump in, Dan, but for me, this is where Shui's going wrong right now. Uh, we are being set out far too openly. Uh, I think this 4-3-3, as much as that's the way that we want to do it or whatever variation he wants to use you know, transitionally through games, um, I think it's a little bit naive, actually. Uh, we, we've proven that we are really struggling to stop goals going in. So let's go back to a, maybe a more traditional structure, not so open, and use that as a foundation. And if, like you maybe alluded to, if that means we have a boring game and we're all bald, you know, bald, that's me, bored, senseless, um, then I'll take it. Like, I, I don't care. We, we need to get results now. I couldn't give a toss about how we're playing. If it's a backs against the wards, two banks of four, and we steal something from a set piece, that'll do. We, we, we I don't care about this fancy nice play anymore. That is completely irrelevant at this point. Yes, yeah, so I was actually speaking to somebody about this earlier on. I said, is it time to just ditch that? If he maybe just if he turns around, I mean, we'll get onto the goals in a minute and and see that yes, again. The tactics, especially the fullback positions, are what seems to be costing us. And is the manager, does he need to step back and say, right, I, I want you to play this way. This is the best way to get results. And as much as I would love to keep trying with this, we're not in a position where you can be making mistakes and learning on the job. Let's park it. Let's make ourselves hard to be solid in defence. And then come the summer... Let's hope for you. Hope that we get enough points to stay up. Use this to give ourselves the best chance of that, and then in the summer, 
when you come back for pre-season, we are going to be doing this. This is the Rio. What we will be learning for six, seven weeks of pre-season um, will be all, you know, this you know, the tactics that he wants to employ. Is this the problem of having a, a well, quite simply, an inexperienced manager? Whereas if you had, uh, I'll, show, I'll, I'll fire it out there, a Michael O'Neill, um, you know, if you had a a Tony Pulis, a Steve Bruce, a I'm just chucking some names out there. People who are not really known for their really fancy football, right? They just it can be a bit more structured, more 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 plodding. Like, is this the problem of having somebody like Schumacher at the minute? You know, maybe the right manager at the wrong time as far as this season goes. Is that is that maybe where we are? We we could have maybe really done with more of a a boring manager, if you like, just to set the yeah, set the stall a little bit. Good point. I I really think he's he's worried, obviously, about our defensive frailty. So what he's trying to do is look the other way and think, well, actually, if we if we score early, if we really go out and throw everything in the in the kitchen sink into their box, great, we get the first goal. But it, it's really not working. We're getting sucker punched, and as Dan alluded to earlier, it's it's that first goal syndrome. You can see that first goal, and especially if it's early and you're chasing the game and climbing the hill again. So it's naivety, and I feel it's a lack of adaptability that we've got at the moment. Yeah, I think I think you are. You're both sort of you know, on the right tracks there, aren't you? And, I mean, how does he? I think he has to change something. I mean, we'll we'll, we'll talk more about that when we near Middlesbrough, uh, when we get into the Middlesbrough game. So, the, the obviously the Cardiff game. One thing I forgot to mention, by the way, when I was doing all my stats, was Cardiff has scored nearly double the amount of corner, uh, goals from set pieces as anyone else in the league this season. So it wasn't as no surprise to myself when. Um, when Cardiff went and they scored off a corner to to put us to put themselves one 0 in front, uh, scrappy won it. Yeah, it's just again, all comes in like you say, like you sort of say, you know, we get punished for anything rather than drop into a a Stoke player's boot where he can just smack it away. It's there it is, you know, in the back of the net, and it's 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 one of them. I mean. Again, are we not switched on? Do you know what you know, could we have defended? Obviously, we could have defended it better. Could have kept out the net, couldn't we? But I mean, did you did you find anyone was culpable in that for that goal? It's it's a similar tactic that we started using towards the start of the season, where there was a near post run, and it was always it seemed to be Ben Wilmot at the start of the season where he was trying to lose a defender at the the near post when we were attacking, and then. Um, kind of get a flick on if if he was to get a header on goal great or if, if he flicked it onto the back post and it was the same same kind of tactic that they employed I think it's a very good tactic a, a near post ball if it's got um, you know speed and whip on it it can be very effective and, and that's exactly what happened I think it was it was their other centre half got across the near post and he kind of drew two or three of our defenders with it uh, they definitely took the bait and it, it left a gap. Um, but it, as you mentioned, it, 
we didn't even read that drop zone as soon as as soon as the ball was headed down um from around the penalty spot no one really reacted to it and and the goalkeeper yeah i mean he was he was pretty much planted for that one but it's a bit of a team mistake really just no one no one reacted at all do you want me you know what what i noticed and i've got it literally in front of me now and i've just been playing it back in slow-mo do you know the person who's actually to blame which I don't like putting blame. I think everyone, when that first ball gets won, I think the people are, are slow to react. But um, Dan, when we went to, it was it was it Huddersfield? I think it was it Huddersfield a few weeks back. I can't remember now. Um, we conceded from a, a similar situation of that near post, and it's the same person who's at fault again. They've obviously seen our lack of quality in terms of defending them because Vauterberger is the man who loses his man yet again um, at that near post. Now, we know how good Berger has been, you know, by and large for us uh, all season. He's been a really shining light, to be honest. But clearly, it's another scenario where he is not picking up his man. He's a little bit stepped behind it again. So I think he's. this isn't the first time. So this is about, again, are we learning from mistakes? And you'd have to say the answer is no, because Berger has let his man go again. Like this happens a lot. If you just watch it at corners, you watch every single time they go near post. Berger's the man who's there. So whether that means we have to start putting two men on the blinking, you know, either side of the posts, then do it, um, or simply get somebody else to mark them instead of Berger because it's not working. And I think teams are using that against us right now. You miss that first ball, the near post. It's in a very dangerous position. So you've got to have. You've either got to be quicker, you've got to pay more attention, or you've just got to simply switch it around for somebody else. Accountability as well. Players have got to have got to own it. So like Berger's showing his frailties there. He's supposed to be, you know, um one of the the team leaders, the the sort of captain, the the vocal point. If he's missing his assignment there and it's it's being made to be a regular occurrence. That's even more worrying from from my perspective. One of the team leaders not not taking full accountability and and not leading by example is is so worrying. Yeah, it is. He, he, he missed that. We considered that first goal of Huddersfield. I could be down. We was Huddersfield. We went to, wasn't it? Um, I, I might yeah, be completely I mean, wrong. Just to balance it out slightly, um, when you say about repeating errors and not learning from that Huddersfield game was in September, so it, oh, okay, I'm getting my, <laughs> my games mixed up then. This was far more recent, it must have been the one that I went with, uh, with Tom. I could not feel life me remember now, but we <laughs> we we conceded from the near post. Berger put his hand up to the team and said, Look, I'm sorry, my man, I messed up. Um, and he did it again a few minutes later, and we we got away with it. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking the wrong the wrong game here. It's it's one much more recent, and I cannot put my finger on it. We've been susceptible to corners all season. This certainly not on Burger. Mm. Yeah, there's Christ. There's, we've been we've been awful at set pieces, and we haven't scored anywhere near enough from them either. So uh, it's not exactly any surprise. But yeah, I think you were right what you were saying earlier, Dan, when you were talking about like the you know, the, the inverted fullback situation. I, you know, I was looking at get again back at the junior goal, and we you know we've we've given Kiana. A lot of pelters in recent times for his 
dodgy defending. Uh, and unfortunately, again, a bit of inexperience. You know, the ball comes in the middle to Junior. He's trying to, I think, a, a poor first touch. And then he's, I, d- I don't know, he's trying to out-muscle uh, whoever the hell that is on the, on the floor. I can't remember now. But uh, he's trying to out-muscle someone. And then they break down the left. What a shock. Full-back position again. And Iverson... I'm sorry, but obviously you you've really got to do better. It just goes straight through him. Well, this is this. I mean, when uh, yes, definitely Daniel Everson should be at least getting something on that. I feel from that angle, he should be getting himself into a position where he covers both posts. It was quite an acute angle. I think was it Ben Wilmot who was shepherding him and you know, sent him. Yeah pretty wide he's sort of done his part of that you know he's narrowed the angle he's made it more difficult and fair play to the striker for finding the bottom corner but like you say you'd hope that your goalkeeper would you know plant himself in a position there where you know he, he can cover both posts you know near and far he's near any far post from you know, from where he stood the the thing is, obviously, that Junior's gone into the midfield area. He's driven into the midfield area. What he's told to do, be positive, be brave, go in there, loses the ball. Is it, is when this happens and when they, they're told to do this, is there literally nobody expected to cover the position he's vacated? Is it all about getting an extra body in that, in that area and leaving a big gap? Because obviously, um, you know, Keanu did it last week, didn't he? As Coventry came into the middle of the pitch, you know, uh, had you right, towed the ball away, O'Hare, Sims, back of the net, left a massive gap on that right hand side. Um, I know Wilmot and Bonham have both pulled off to positions and they to, to to receive the ball, but he still left a massive gap in that area. Junior's done the same, gone into midfield, and there's been a massive gap. So, is this? Obviously, obviously losing the ball is an issue. <laughs> um, but on the flip side of this, is there somebody else not doing a job? Or the, you know, is there somebody supposed to cover that area? Or is it a case of we run the risk of doing that because we want the extra body in the, you know, in another area where we can, if we keep the ball, it gives us a better chance of building something forward. Um yeah, are the defence supposed to shuffle across so they split themselves more as a three rather than you know, so you know, like uh, Wilmot goes I don't know, 10-15 yards to the right Rose comes more central and the left back comes in field to make like a three man centre back uh, you know, is that what's supposed to happen? I think, I think you're right on, on both fronts yeah. for me, I think you know, this is the problem of having a cundle in there because I think if you've got a Ben Pearson in there, I think he naturally does that. Well, I don't know if the matter I mean, I don't know. Does does the manager want Ben Pearson then to drop 10 yards or not? Because is the whole point of Junior going in there to say, well, now we've got four bodies or five bodies in this midfield area rather than your two, three, four? Do you know what I mean? So does he want a Pearson to drop in or is he saying, no, Pearson holds your ground? The three cent, the three defenders behind now become a back three, and is it there? Are they not getting into the right positions? I don't, I don't know because I, I think the whole what he's trying to get out of the move is to put, like I say, an extra outlet, an extra body in a tight area because he wants 
he plays inverted because he wants to attack down the centre of the pitch, doesn't he? He doesn't want to go yeah. wide. He didn't at Plymouth and he doesn't he wants so I think to do to to attack centrally, I think it's all about outnumbering the opposition and always having an option on. I think that's why he likes Kundal, to be fair, because Kundal always seems to be able to receive the ball, doesn't he? I mean, he doesn't I don't think he's done a great deal with it in the majority of the matches he's been in. But I do think he's always an option to receive it. He's always, you know, five, ten yards away from the ball, saying, pass it to me. And then he'll lay it off to someone else or whatever. I think that's, that's the focus. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're right, Dan. What what he essentially wants as as I, I see it is he wants the full back to dart in field in that, that kind of pocket space in in between midfield and and the defence. And essentially with the other three defenders, if you're playing a back four, they they need to make a back three, which is narrow. So your left back, say for instance, in that moment, Junior dips in field and uh, and gets in that pocket on the ball. The remaining three all shuffle over. And the idea is high risk, of course, because if the ball gets turned over and they go out into the attack, what you could be saying is it could potentially be a 3v3. However, it's very high reward if you can be clever and intricate with your passing because you've got that one player overload. Um, this is where the naivety comes in, though, isn't it? Because we haven't trained like that for for the for the season. So why are we trying to do it now in the one moment that we need to stop conceding bloody goals? This is this right. is the problem for me. You're right, and uh, and this is the issue with the, that the fans have now. In that moment, no one can deny that Junior's had his pocket picked, and then they've gone and scored. Of course, um, my issue was was that on the WhatsApp groups, on the Facebook groups, everyone was saying, all right, Junior, that's really poor. He needs to be dropped. Junior's been absolutely fantastic for us. Like, I'm such a huge fan of his. I think think he's been a breath of fresh air for Stoke. He's been one of the only ones that's come out of this with real positivity uh, this season for me. However, um, in that moment, of course, he's, he's made a huge error. Um, but I'm with you, Mike. What we need to do at the moment is get the fundamentals correct and stop becoming such a, a an easy touch, uh, an easy team to beat. Um, we need to to have the ball in, uh, play with the ball in front of us, and not let them get in behind us quickly early on in the game, and then essentially be chasing the match from from the fifth, sixth, seventh minute onwards. Uh, and uh, and climbing such a huge hill. Because if you're hard to beat, I mean, the worst case scenario potentially uh, is that you come away with a point. Which, to be honest, the, these little points here and there are going to be important. You know, we've still got the likes of Swansea and Sheffield and Huddersfield and stuff to come. Still, not an easy game. We've proven that ourselves all season. But if you pick up a point here, point there, and then you take advantage of those games, you will have enough to scrape through. If we leave ourselves open and we, we know we're one two nil down, we all know as fans, and you can guarantee the players know that like we, like we said earlier that they know that that's game over at that point. Like we do not come back from that. So yeah, I think we've I think we've all said it. We're probably being too open. 
and we need to just stop trying to be pretty. Now isn't the time. Just get get a formation, get a a way of playing that just gets us through games. And if it's the most boring twelve games the rest of the rest of the season, fine. I don't think anyone's going to care about how well we're playing as long as we get the points. Because going down to League One, let's. I know Dan, we joked earlier, right, about about the benefits of going down, but realistically, like nobody wants that because that we've seen other teams. There's no guarantee you come back from that. Um, big fish or not in that in that situation, there's no guarantees. So, yeah, it's we need to stop the rot one way or another. So just pick up the odd points here and there and try and make the most of the games that are winnable. All right, more positive matter now. Come on, let's let's cheer ourselves up. Juno's <laughs> off the mark. Hey, Juno's got his first Potter's goal. So, Lewis Baker free kick just for half time. The keeper saved it much, spilled it, you know, parried it back out into a six-yard box. And, you know, Juno's there, alert to the, uh, the, the possible danger that could have been. And, and there to tap it in. So, yeah, he's, he's off the mark. First of many, I reckon. Well... As long as we stay up. <laughs> yeah, he didn't was... know much about it, did he? <laughs> no, I think he was he was alert to it. You can give him credit for being alert to it, can't you? Um, I think me, any, any one of us three would have scored that one, uh, to be fair. So it wasn't the most glamorous of, of goals, but uh, yeah, like he was he was alert and good for him because I think he's tried hard. You know, he's not been incredible this year, but this is his first season. I don't think he was ever going to be um, at that point. We obviously know the language barrier is still a thing, so I actually think he's settled in quite nicely overall. So, yeah, for, as far as the goal goes, I think our nans could have you know, scored that one, but uh, still, good on him. He got a little bit of what he deserved, and it's a shame it's not like a winning goal, and it was, in the end, just a bit of a consolation, but but good on him. It, yeah, it gives him a bit of confidence anyway, hopefully. I think Manuf had a, had a decent game. I think Ennis is always busy. He was un- unfortunate with a few situations. He didn't really have many absolute clear cut chances. He was, you know, he was getting on the back of you know fifty fifty balls and stuff like that. Ones that were really tricky to convert. Um, so I actually think uh, Ennis, despite the fact he's not going to score for you know four or five goals or whatever it is, like I think he's been really busy and probably someone we could have done with earlier on in this season, if I'm honest with you. Uh, some of the chances we've had, if they come to you know, him instead of, say, Dwight Gale, we probably have got more points on the board. He should have had, He should have scored on, on Saturday at Cardiff. I think any side, yeah. he had a few of them chances for Manoff. And especially there was one, one that, that it was crazy. It was quite similar to their second goal and that he got himself to a similar angle, but he just pulled a shot wide, didn't he? He didn't hit the target. Um, I think when Manoff just slipped him in, um, and he was he made the run, kept himself on side, done the hard bit, uh, and then just, like I say, scuffed his shots slightly wide. Um, but yeah, for me, like I say, to, I think that like I say, the end man off and his partnership. I mean, we thought at the start of the season, weren't we, that there was a touch of, um, touch of sort of Shakiri and Haksabanovic. I think there's, there's a lot of similarities in sort of style and how these sort of, um, it's just sort of uh, the build and how he how he uh, sort of put themselves across on the field between Manuf and obviously Shaq. I mean, obviously I'm not saying to the same level, but uh, just you know how they play the game and the looks that they give off, I think is is quite similar. Just a couple of things to mention about Ennis as well. I do like his movement across in making runs in front of a defender uh, towards the near post. I think. 
I think as a number nine, that run towards the near post can be so effective in drawing a defender out of the way to potentially uh, create spaces in behind and uh, and slightly to the side of uh, of the box for other players to make third man runs in um, to get opportunities. So I think with more games that he plays at, at nine, that can only be a good thing for us moving forward. Now, we've got, we've done positivity. We're going to have to just dip back. We're going back over to the start of negative side, just around the section off, because after all it was defeat. <laughs> um, so Jordan Thompson, as again, he, he, we thought he was suspended last week. It turns out that he was one booking away. Um, so he, uh, of course, went and got himself a yellow card against Cardiff and now serves a two-match ban. So, left-back, is it going to become an issue now with him? Do you think we'll miss Jordan Thompson over the next two games? I mean, anyone who can play on the left-hand side is going to be a miss, even though he isn't a natural left-back. Uh, I mean, I know we're going to teams. I think you've got to put Gooch out there because I don't think we've got any other choice. What's happened to Liam McCarran? Well, again, he's playing for the under-21s the other day, wasn't he? I mean, he had that sort of 15 minutes against Brighton where he actually looked all right. I think he plays... I think he's played well for the under-21s from from reports and everything. But, yeah, he's not, not really uh, been given much of an opportunity. I mean, what options have we got? We've got Gooch, you've got McCarran. Um, so you could put Hoover and Junior in together at full-backs. I've got real reservations with his physicality. Oh, agreed. I, I don't disagree with that. I, 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 under, I understand that, uh, of course, you. we need to talk about a technical side and having a left-footed left-back, everybody wants that and, of course, needs that in a balanced back four. But I'm just, yeah, physical side of things, I'd be worried in a championship game, particularly, I mean, yeah, particularly in times like now where... I just think we need to go for the experience. I, I anticipate Gooch uh, at left back on on the weekend for sure. I, I'd be surprised if it was anybody but. He looks. He does look lightweight, man. Me and Dan saw him against was it Accrington, I think, Dan. We're going back a bit now, but we saw him against Accrington, and I think he he looked incredibly yeah. lightweight. Is it Notts County? I think this was it. County. Uh, Sorry, yeah, yeah. We played second half against Notts County. Yeah. He, again, he. He looked like it, but at the same time, he didn't. Yeah, there were some nice touches in there. You know, he wasn't. He wasn't looking bad. I do agree with you saying. I think, yeah, physically, he's he's probably not quite there. Um, but at least have him on the bench as a as an option. I mean, Christ, you know, Gooch has looked good on the left hand side at times. But if he gets a knock, you you say Dan, you mentioned Keanu. Like I wouldn't. I don't trust him. Be at right back. Never mind left back. So like that's a no no for me. And we really are right. then putting you know square pegs in round holes at this point. And if I'm any opposing team, I'm going right, attack that position every chance you get because even if it doesn't work out every time, they're going to get in more often than not. I think what we'll do now, we'll listen to Tom from Cardiff. But he gave us some audio before the match, so here's what his views are after the match. And then I've got one more question before we move on. Really, really pleased um, with the result on Saturday. A 2-1 win for Cardiff, which is much needed. Um, but I think more so I'm pleased with the performance as well, especially for like the first 65 minutes or so, because it, it's the first it's felt like we've 
seen this kind of Cardiff um, for a long time. You know, it's like the Cardiff of around October when we were playing some of our best football. Um, you know, we're seeing players starting to do uh, what we know they can do. You know, um, Siokbis, I thought, played really well. He started to look more like the midfielder and the player that we know he is. Um, Nat Phillips, I thought, was outstanding. Um, I'm really pleased with uh, the fact that we've managed to get him. Uh, he looks like a really good addition and a proper championship centre-half. And I think just overall the team just had a bit more about him, you know. Um, I thought we looked really good look going forward, or certainly a lot better going forward. Um, the midfield seemed to have a little bit more about it. Uh, Joe Rawls especially, I thought, played really well. Um, I think he's such an important player for us, especially as well if Aaron Ramsey's not playing. And we just looked a little bit more up for it, you know. Um, the players looked more refreshed, uh, we didn't look as lethargic or as tired. And sure, the second half probably wasn't the prettiest, but we managed to grind out a result which we haven't done for quite a while, and we did what we needed to do. Um, and, you know, we, we're now able to say that we've broken that hoodoo of um, not being able to win at home. And, you know, it's just come at such an important time as well because we've got two massive derbies um, at Bristol and Swansea away both coming up. And hopefully, you know, this can put a little bit of confidence back into the players and we can get two big results. Cheers for that, Tom. Um, yeah, I think you've probably secured yourself another season in the Championship with that win. Now, I said I had one more match for one more question for you. And obviously, it's another game. We've gone behind early, left ourselves a mountain to climb, as we've already mentioned. We've created a load of chances for me. Well, created enough chances to get back in, just not taking them again. Now, do you think this team lacks passion? Do you think they lack effort? What, or do you think they just lack ability? Do you think they lack awareness and heart or is it like um have they not got enough experience leaders what is it that's holding this group of players back i'll start with you speed boats with no drivers simply we've got lots of workers people try um we've we've seen that and of course we've had games like blackburn away where I mean, by all accounts, I was embarrassed to be a Stoke fan that day, and I'm sure a lot of other people were as well. But we've got, we do have hard workers, but we lack the necessary leadership and game management in particular moments in matches where you just need calm, composed heads to make those vital decisions to to kind of guide the team to to where they need to be and what we need to do. So it's it's management, game management on field, I, I think. Um, so lack of leadership. What about you, Mike? What would you say is the reason this side doesn't seem to be able to get the the wins? It's uh, it's well, we would hope they would do. Uh, so two things for me, experience, and I'm talking steady, experienced championship heads, people that it was nice going out and signing these foreign players that everybody wanted, but I think we're lacking that that grit and that that Phil Jagielka, you know, in defence, we're, we're, we're lacking that side of it. Um, 
and also absolutely there's a complete lack of quality as as you know Laurie said there's I'm not going to fault their efforts and their running and and things like that but we've now got unfortunately a lot of young players who don't know what it is to be in this situation um and we don't have any leaders on the pitch and as much as Baker tries his best um you know Josh Loren will obviously try his best when he's when he's on there Berger will have a will have a word I don't think there's anyone across that back line that's having enough of a word. All those players I've mentioned, no one else in midfield's capable of doing it. Strike force certainly aren't that way. So a little bit of a combination of things, but 100% comes down to quality and championship experience. We've gone too far down the uh, the other end of the scale, unfortunately, for me. Yeah, just um, to give you my two pennies on it, <laughs> I I think that, I do think ability-wise, I think they're good enough. I think what they can do with the football, if he's technically and all that, I think they've got the ability there. I think they are very, very fragile mentally. And I think whether that comes from, um, like say, not being hard in pros, or not having enough leaders within the within the team on the field to pick people up when we go behind or something. But I think the fact you showed earlier on, you know, when we go in front, we win games. When we go behind, we lose. But it's as simple and as black and white as that. For me, I don't even think it's a, as much um, a, a, an ability issue because obviously they win games when they go in front. So I think it to me that that says it's it's very much a mental problem. I suppose uh, it'd be interesting to get what other people think as well. I'm sure that you know, we do get comments and stuff, don't we, when we you know, when we post links out to these podcasts. So it'll be interesting to hear back from people, um, you know, on the Twitter group, Facebook group, somewhere wherever you sort of follow us, uh, what you think the issues are. Right, uh, man of the match. And now I waited a full five days to put this poll out for man of the match. You know, <laughs> I didn't do it straight after the game like normal. I thought I can't do it. Now, and it was only this morning. We recorded this Wednesday night, and it was only this morning um, that I actually put this poll out. And it's got a few votes, so it's got seventy-seven votes on it. Uh, it's isn't as many as normal, but not bad. You know, seems where it is. I'll, I'll start with you, Mike. Who was your man of the match uh, for this game? Oh, um, which was a tricky. It was a tricky one for me, Dan. I think there was there was a couple of people that kind of stood out. I think I'm gonna have to give it to to Manhoof though. If I'm honest with you, I think he was relatively busy. I think he showed a lot of positive signs. I think there's maybe account for, for maybe you know John Ho and, and stuff like that uh, to a certain extent. But I think he's he'd probably get votes just for tapping the ball in. To be honest, so I'm gonna go for Manhoof because I think he deserves a shout. Yeah, you got my vote as well, actually, as it stands. Um, Laurie, who was your sort of man of the match in the game? Not a lot to pick from, as you've as you probably mentioned, but yeah, um, three votes um, all round for for Manhurf. Just dynamic energy looks looks as if he's got a little bit of something different on the field that that we might need in the coming weeks as well. So yeah. Looks looks quite exciting. Well, I can tell you the official poll. Um, so we had votes for the corner flag. Um, so LJ Liam added that on Facebook. 
and that got himself that got a few votes, about twelve percent of the vote actually. Um, um, <laughs> Stood strong, well done. Uh, Rossmore said the fans that got six percent, so not as good as a corner flag. The supporters must do better, Stoke fans. <laughs> um, but yeah, there was a vote for Anis. There was a vote for Everson, surprisingly. Uh, there was a couple of votes for Berger, a couple of votes for Baker. Josh Loren uh, was in third place with three votes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the big, the front, the first two are the two that we sort of mentioned in this. Uh, Manhuff actually came second with 23% of the vote, and John Ho won with a massive 45%. So, yes, Bay John Ho, uh, man of the match, and actually, that man of the match takes him up to second overall. He's jumped in front of Gooch in our overall player of the season standings. I mean, he's way behind Berger, but yeah, he's uh, he's now up into second. And I think if you were to ask Stoke fans who the two best Stoke players we've got, I think that those results are uh, fair reflection. I think most people would say Berger and uh, John Ho, wouldn't they? Right, let's get into the news. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Right, so into the news. So the under-18s, last week they lost 3-1 away at fourth place Derby. Uh, Dean Adioka got us back in the game just before half time, but then Derby sort of got their two-goal advantage back after the break and saw out the win quite comfortably. Uh, this week, the under-18s host Nottingham Forest. So they come to Clayton Wood, 11am on Saturday. Uh, so, yeah, that's the under-18s. Now, under-17s, we've got a bit of action from them this week. They lost 2-1 at home to Wolves on Tuesday night to end their Premier League under-17 uh, Cup semi-final. So, yeah, they got all the way to the semi-final of that competition uh, and a final uh, place against either Liverpool or Manchester City. Awaited the winners, but yeah, Wolves sort of you know, beat us 2-1 on Tuesday. So they progress to the final. The under-21s. So last week they drew 2-2 away at Aston Villa on Friday. So Wesley, Daniel Johnson and Kyron Clark were the latest to appear for the under-21s. Uh, Clark actually scored the opening goal for Stoke and Jack Griffiths got a late equaliser uh, to make sure that we came back from Villa with a point. Uh, this week we got Crystal Palace Monday the 4th 7pm kickoff, and that game is actually being played at the Bet365 Stadium so yeah onto the big pitch uh, for the under 21s um, maybe we should maybe that's how we can get a home win maybe we should stick all the first team in as many as we can for that 
and and you know getting used to winning on the back three six five pitch. Uh, but yeah, we currently sit twelfth in the league, and we are three points ahead of the seventeenth position, which is the cutoff for the next stage of the competition. So the women now they they're getting against Burnley. They're having no luck with this. It's postponed for a waterlogged pitch. The home team against Burnley. This is the second time now this match against Burnley has been postponed. Um, this week though they go to they host professional side Newcastle United Sunday March the third 2 p.m. kickoff at the Emery Stadium. Uh, Stokes at ninth in the league, whilst Newcastle are nine points clear at the top. So, yeah, that is going to be a difficult game for the women. Uh, best of luck to them. Now, got a bit of a special. It's a feature that we used to do quite regularly, but we haven't sort of done for a while. Uh, but, yes, this now we sort of settle back in after the transfer window and everything. Here is a loanee review. And, uh, yes, this is from Seb. Uh, he's, he's a Walsall fan, and he's just going to give us an update on David Akagbu and his time at Walsall. He started off quite shaky, I thought. Um, some games where, you know, you knew it was his first EFL loan spell, you know, against Mansfield, Salford as well. He looked a bit shaky, but ever since the turn of the year, I think he's looked really good. Um, especially, um, to be more specific, I think um, we've had an injury to Priestley Farkerson, our central centre-back in the back three, and he's moved into that position. He's, he's you know, he's really doing well there, you know, and, you know, I've seen him grow as, as a player as well, I think, as well. Um, you know, he's a bit more aggressive. Um, and I think that just comes through experience and confidence, which is the the whole team is doing at the moment. You know, he's winning his first contacts, his first tackles, headers. Um, he's getting in the way of blocks um, from the opposition. So, you know, he's really doing well at the moment, David Cagbu. And, and I know he's um, out of contract with you guys, I think, in the summer. So it could be a possibility Warsaw could be looking into, um, you know, looking to buy him permanently because we've got this model where we like to buy young players. Um, we've got quite a young squad as, as it is, really. So he could be a possibility going into next season if you guys decide to let him go. But overall, I think he's been solid recently. Um, you know, we've won four on the bounce and, yeah, we're into the playoffs. So... Um, nothing to criticise, you know, we've got to stay positive and, you know, Dave has been excellent as our centre-back, you know, I thought he was brilliant last um, week, last Saturday, especially at Harrogate, you know, he got a goal last night um, and he's basically set up the second goal we scored, so yeah, really impressed at the moment, thanks for having me on and up the saddlers. Cheers for that, Seb, so yeah, um, I think he's actually making pretty decent strides at Walsall, Kabu is been a bit of talk about him this week as well, Andy. So it fits in nicely with, with that sort of review there. Um, it's interesting as well. He didn't play that much at the start of the season, but when he's he's got his chance, he's taken it. Walsall played twelve games this calendar year, you know, um, and he has played every single minute of them. So he's definitely you know a regular in that in that game now, Andy. So yeah, it's, uh, hopefully he can keep getting himself, you know, keep playing and keep getting himself more experience and uh, return to us in the summer. Um, sort of any other any other news? The only really thing I can think that's that come out of of the club this week is uh, they're, they're taking on an official club podcast, Mike. They, they want to they want competition for every step along the way. 
Yeah, well, um, look, people very nicely voted for us uh, to be because they asked about <laughs> who wanted to to present it. Um, so we'll happily give our opinion on that, and I'll give you mine. Yours might be different. I mean, if they asked us to do it, would we turn it down? I don't think I'd want to do it in place of this podcast because at the same time, as much as Luke, it'd be lovely to be associated like officially, stuff like that. I, I it would depend for me on how honest we could be. Now, anything official, any club, not just Stoke, any club's official podcasts, if let's discuss this with my dad, right? I've given Kiana a bit of stick this season. <laughs> I think that's pretty clear, right? Um, yeah, if I've got an interview, yeah. So, are you surprised about that, Dan? Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I, I, I don't think he's any James Chester, is he? Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got he's got a bit of a way to go yet. But like, objectively, right? If if you've got to interview Kiana, let's say he's he's on the pod the following week. You're not going to sit there and slate the guy in front of him, right? You're not going to do that. Um, neither, you know, would, you wouldn't do it because naturally he's sitting in front of him, but also you don't want to come across as two-faced. Like, I think that's that's important for me. You, you know, you've got to be honest and you've got to be able to say what you want. So if the mantra coming from the club is you can be honest, just don't go slandering anyone, then great. Like they'll offer something different to, to us and, and nothing wrong with competition. You know, I'm sure they can... Uh, they can try and do the best, but I think you know, it, it, it depends. Like again, I wouldn't I necessarily think, turn it down, but it's got to be under the right circumstances. Absolutely. So it's nice for I, people I to vote for. Like, it. I, I think you're you're going to come up with with issues there. I think they're going to try and keep the reins on you guys. I mean, I, I could be wrong. Is it um is it a video as well? A video There's podcast, no, or is it okay? There's no info from from the bits that I. So I knew about this some time ago, and I've I heard nothing about a video side. Uh, I imagine they're going to leave that to the media team, as far as I'm aware, to to do the YouTube and do something away from it. I can't imagine... See, the way that I would do it, right, if, if they were to ask me for my opinion, I would say that you need to go behind the scenes, do a video version, and the podcast needs to go behind the scenes at the training ground and stuff like that. Are they going to want to give those types of things away? Um, are they going to want to control the the narrative? My answer probably is yes, they are going to want to control the narrative. So I don't think from a creative perspective, unless they give me free reign, which they're not going to do, and I get why they wouldn't do it as a business, I think it's very difficult to make that work and make people feel you know, genuinely interested. So look, uh, good on them. Like, good luck to them if, if they do it. If they come to us, I'll give them an honest opinion about what I think they should do and and what I think. Dan, I'm sorry, no, don't, don't want to speak for you, mate, but I think it would it would have to be not being dictated to. Uh, importantly, I think we'd have to have an air of of honesty, and I think fans want honesty. They'll love the, the interviews of players and stuff like that, obviously, and that'll be easy to get hold of that stuff. But I think you've got to be honest with the podcast. I think that's why they work in the first place. Yeah, my thoughts on it are that it's it's what the content is that's going to be important. And again, if they were to come and ask you know, our advice on what they should do, I'm not saying they should, Ask for advice that we or that we know or we you know with all knowing right there. But if they said, you know, you guys do a podcast, what would you say that we need to do? 
I don't think that a sitting down, reviewing the game, giving your opinion on this, that and the other is what that podcast needs to be about because no. more than anything, like you say there, I mean, you might, we might, there's a we, what I mean is whoever takes that on, whoever gets that that sort of gig to do that podcast can be told, yeah, 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 you got free reign, do whatever you want. But I'll tell you what, the first time that you slag one of them players off, that man, the manager or the player himself will be knocking on that door of that media office and expect, demanding to know why this has gone out into the airwaves. <laughs> do you know why is the club why is the club releasing something that's that's slagging off its own players? How are we supposed to get, you know, how are they supposed to perform well when, when even the, the, the club itself's having a go at them? Um, do you know what I mean? So there's that sort of aspect of it. And you'll soon be shut down. Like I say, you'll soon have a, a manager demanding that it, it doesn't, you know, it's, it, it's not helping or you're making, you know, you're not, you're making the situation worse. And, so it doesn't come with that. It doesn't come with, with that. What it needs to be is, I think, informative. I think you can speak to um, you can speak to players, you can speak to managers, and you can get their reaction. And I think then what happens is you then um, you can then go on to features about what's happening around the club. You can speak to various people. Um, you can give I don't know ticket dues out and stuff like that and then you come to the other end of it and you can maybe speak to somebody in the media, similar to what we do a supportive club member or a media team member of um, whoever you're playing that weekend quite similar to what we do, not very imaginative are you just sort of going down what we do, but I think that's the sort of thing you can do Without much of a um, a comeback. Yeah, yeah. If you copy, if you copy off the likes of us and and others and stuff like that, they don't kind of waste your time because you can't be you, you can't be you can't be independent. You can't be honest. And I think that's one thing. If we do criticize a player, there's always something behind it. Uh, it's not just throwing crap for the sake of throwing it you've got to be able to justify it that's some that's how it that's how our level if you say something against someone you've got to be able to justify why you've said it um you can't just throw stuff around so yeah look good good luck to them we're here if they want if if they want any any pointers and stuff like that um if they want any feedback um but yeah look thanks to everyone who's filled our names in we know a lot of you have done it so we'll see if mr simon king wants to give us a call i'll happily take the call and and help and help wherever we can because I think we mate, I, I'm going to big ourselves up right we, we've learned a hell of a lot over the three years like you know we as you said we saw the gap market around our structure other people tried to copy it and fell away very quickly because they realised it was far too much work so like I'm, I'm happy with what we've done that is uh, that pretty much sums up sort of the news uh, right let's talk about Middlesbrough so, let me start with some stats. As per usual, we have met Middlesbrough 105 times. We have 37 wins, 25 draws and 43 defeats. At home, we have played them 52 times. We've been victorious on 28 occasions. 13 draws with just the 11 losses. October's win at Middlesbrough was only our second victory against them in 10 matches. 
Um, whilst we only have the one home defeat since 1998 versus Middlesbrough, having three wins and three draws in that time. So recent home form actually is pretty decent. Uh, Steven Schumacher versus Middlesbrough. Now, will be an eventful game if he copies this. He's only he, he's only come up against Middlesbrough and Michael Carrick once before. It was the 4th of November last year, Plymouth at home to Middlesbrough, 3-3 draw. I'm not sure. Oh, I'm not really? sure in our current state that my heart can take a three-three draw. <laughs> no one can. Yes, no. <laughs> no way. Do you um, think we're yeah. ever going to score three goals again? <laughs> uh, three own Ma- goals, definitely. Oh yeah, we're good at that. <laughs> uh, Michael Carrick's record in Stoke: uh, two games. He's still searching for his first win, though. He just has one draw and one defeat. Uh, both their matches were played at the Riverside in 2023. He had a 1-1 draw in March and a 2-0 defeat in October of that year. Stokes home form. They are 20th in the home table with 19 points. Uh, now get this. They had more home wins in August than the rest of the season total together. <laughs> Not great, is it? Oh, my um, goodness. <laughs> do, they, do these stats get better? Yeah, it's sort of, maybe. <laughs> um, I do remember, though, but back in August and September, and we won, like, was it five? Won the first five home games of the season? We were like, this is amazing. We've sorted out the problems at home. Come on. Alex Neal's barmy army. We're off. We're up and running. <laughs> it's quickly turned sour, isn't it? Uh, last five matches, we are 23rd in that table with three points having lost six of our last seven matches. Uh, Middlesbrough's away form is seventh in the away table with 23 points. Uh, their last three league wins have all come away from home. And in fact, they've already won in Stoke-on-Trent this year. Can anyone remember? Uh, yes, it was against Vale, yeah. Yes, they won, three, they won 3-0 away at Port Vale in the quarterfinals of the league cup. Uh, last five matches, though, they are suffering themselves. They've only got one point more than us, so their four points puts them 18th in the form table, and they've only won one of their last seven matches, Middlesbrough. So, both sides have not scored as many as the XG says they should have. So, Borough scored 47, where XG says they should have netted 51, and Stoke have scored 31, Whereas next G says they should have had 38 goals by now this season. Coupling that, both teams have also conceded more than the XG. So Middlesbrough have conceded 48. XG says they should have only conceded 38. So 49 to 38. So a massive 11 goals over what the chances that the other team have created um, they should have scored. So basically, the keeper's not saving <laughs> it's either that or the worldy strikes from 35 yards keep finding their way in the top corner um, Stoke by the way have conceded 48 and XG says we should have conceded 43 um, both sides are in a group of four in this league who have missed over one penalty so Stoke have missed two out of three Middles have missed two out of four the other two sides being Coventry who have missed two out of three and Leeds who have missed two out of seven they rank in the bottom four for the amount of clearances, the amount of tackles they put in, and the amount of interceptions and blocks. Only Huddersfield yeah. and Co- Coventry have made less than Middlesbrough's 127 subs this season. 
So he works with a small squad up at Middlesbrough, Michael Carrick. Uh, and also, he makes his subs quite late. Only Leeds make their subs late at Middlesbrough, who average 16 minutes for each of their subs who come on. Stoke have the 10th most subs in the league and the 8th longest with 23 minutes per substitute. Um, when, right, these are the interesting ones now. When Stoke score first, they average 2.36 points per game. Eight wins, two draws, just the one defeat. Middlesbrough averaged 2.19, 11 wins, two draws and three defeats. When they concede first, Middlesbrough averaged 0.5 points per game, two wins, three draws and 12 defeats, while Stoke averaged a mere 0.26 points per game, one win, two draws, 16 defeats. Stoke, though, have conceded 11 goals in the last 15 minutes of matches, which is also Borough's uh, prime time to score. Whew, we'll take a break after all that. Bloody hell, mate. That's good. Can I ask you both, do you see this as a must win? I know, Dan, you probably will tell me, oh, it's a must not lose. And I totally agree that we absolutely really can't afford to lose this. But as far as teams like we've got, we've got coming up, especially in recent times, you look at the rest of these fixtures, everyone probably bar Plymouth, Bristol City, maybe, everyone else is playing for something. So surely a game against Middlesbrough is one where you can go, they're not going up, they're not going down. Um, surely there's got to be there for the, is, is a must win. If you look at, you know, really teams who, quite frankly, I don't think anyone ever gives up. I don't think they've got more, more self-respect than that. But for me, surely this is a must win, right? I think it's, I think it's definitely one of the best opportunities to win. I yeah. think that, Middlesbrough, as as good as they are, uh, they lost a lot of goals last season. Uh, not just that Pom, I think there's other players they lost as well. And I think that's what's damaged them this year. I don't think they, they put the chances away like they did. Um, and I think the goals of sort of you know, those attacking players last like, year you know, papered over a lot of other cracks in the squad. Uh, and I think they now are sort of. Um, Coming to the fore, if you like, coming to, coming to the fore, those those issues. I think we maybe still look at them as last season in Middlesbrough, and I think they're a very different side. So I, they're nothing to fear for me. Say, by all means, I'm not saying it's an easy game, not saying we'll walk all over them, but I think it's one that we should definitely be targeting to go and get three points out of. Um, and I think. As with so many times when we don't get the result, it, it possibly could be ourselves and then tripping ourselves up and shooting ourselves in the foot, whichever you know, so whichever phrase you want to use, um, that could be the reason why if we don't do it. You look at them; they've in their away games they've won seven and lost seven. So you could you could almost you know flip a coin on on what sort of a performance you're going to get from them. They've only had one clean sheet in their last 15 matches. But the only issue I have is Stoke score a goal every 127 minutes at home. So is that goal ever going to come, even though these guys don't keep clean sheets? I mean, we, we must have scored, well, I think I've got in my notes, three goals in our last 10 home matches. So I don't know. Uh, 
a Stoke going to go for it? Or as as Mike said, it is it is it one where we absolutely make sure that we're watertight and we don't lose the game? Um, who knows that? I think the fans are going to be split with this one. Definitely, definitely do not lose this game. But do we desperately need to win it? I don't know. I, I genuinely do think we do, mate. Because if you look at these fixtures, right, Millsborough at home, Leeds away. I mean, with all the the absolute hope in the world, I don't think we've got a cat and chance against Leeds. Um, Preston, good team. Uh, they've been good this year. Some crazy results as well. I've like been Coventry, I think, 3-0, was it, the other week? Norwich at home. Again, tricky game. Hull will rip us a new one because I saw, him, I saw him on TV the other week and, wow, were they good. And also, like, full-backs, which is our main problem, they, they were strong. So that is an absolute loss for me. I think the loss against Hull will be worse than the loss against Leeds. That's my prediction on that one. Huddersfield, we've already talked about Huddersfield. Like that is massive, massive on April the first. So I think if you lose to Middlesbrough, and I'm, and again, I've already given my prediction, which I'll give in a bit, and I'll stick to it. But if we lose to Middlesbrough, we don't win any of the next four, and then Huddersfield becomes massive, absolutely humongous. Because if you lose against Huddersfield, you then go into West Brom, which again ain't gonna be easy. We really need the we always beat West Brom situation to pop up. Um, and then there's some winnable games potentially after that. But the problem with that, if you get to that point and we've only we only end up beating Huddersfield, you've got what, six games left? And if you know, four or five weeks in this division, at that point, you're very firmly marooned in the bottom three and probably with a few points difference. So every game then becomes bigger than it, it's ever been. So that's why I think it's so important we get three points against Middlesbrough. I'm sorry to be so defeatist, and I don't mean to be, but I I just call out a C, really. No, it's a fair point. My my worry is is that if we let the occasion get the best of us, I anticipate a draw on Saturday, just to let you both know. But um, I just feel that we could make it very emotional you know, Walters have, uh, has been giving the battle cry to the fans and, and the players alike and uh, and everybody in the board. Let's not make Saturday an emotional game and let's not get carried away with, you know, throwing everything, but the, uh, including the kitchen sink, it, into their box early doors and then get sucker punched. Because as Dan said, the first goal is so vital. Um yeah, it, it it is a real toss-up. Could we win? Yes, of course we could win, but absolutely let's not lose. Just going to tell you now, just drop in who the ref is. <laughs> um, so the ref is John Busby. Uh, 24 games he's refed this year, 97 yellows, one red, given six penalties, eight home wins, five draws and 11 away wins. So let's hope he's... Uh, Aiming to even that up slightly, you know, there's a few more home wins, I think, on there, John. Let's start this weekend. Now, this is this is the, the kind of stats you want to see. So, three games he's re- he's ref stoken. He's given us 11 yellows, no reds, no penalties, four against us, two wins and one defeat. He refed us in the 4-1 opening day win against Rotherham at home. 
This is the guy we need. You are. You need a hero. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He also sent off the Brazilian World Cup winner, Cafu. No, not that Cafu. (laughs) For Rotherham, didn't he, on on that day? So yeah, even even though we'd already sort of won the game by then, he was uh, he still sent him off. So yeah, he he's more than welcome to take up the whistle. Let's hope he uh, like say he has good memories of that and wants to reenact it. On I'm sure we'll take four one win, won't we? Oh mate, yeah. Oh, what what a confidence boost that'd be. That'd be lovely. Um, well, at middle, for Middlesbrough, he's ref them five times, given them ten yellows, no reds. He's given one penalty for them, one penalty against them. They have two wins, one draw, two defeats. Uh, in, he's ref them once this season, which was Ashton Gate against Bristol City in November. He gave a penalty to Bristol City as Bristol City came out 3-2 victors. Told you it was nailed on three points, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. So, happy days. Step forward, John Busby. Come on, we'll take we'll take all sorts at this stage. How about this, right? You, if you look back at uh, our current run, is it one win in eleven we're currently on? We've lost six out of seven, haven't we? Yeah. And then I think before that, I think we had a couple of draws. Um, one one, a couple of draws as well. I think it might be one win in eleven in the league. So. On that note, on this day, March the 2nd, 2019, Stoke ended a run of one win in 11 games by beating Nottingham Forest 2-0 at home, uh, thanks to goals from Peter Atibo and Benny Kasobe. <laughs> Hopefully an omen. Yes, so uh, Nathan Jones had taken over. Nathan Jones had taken over. Um, he had the win against Leeds and then the wins dried up again. And this was his uh, you know, second home victory. So we've currently got a manager looking for his second home victory, haven't we? Here we go. So so I told you these things get better now towards the end. <laughs> is that improving, Laurie? Is, is that better than we started? Panic buttons going away from my finger. <laughs> we we can't rely on we can't rely on ability. Uh, we can't rely on on them. Um, Winning the game naturally on the pitch. What we've had to do, we've had to go with omens instead. That's <laughs> omens, perfect. It is. <laughs> yeah, we'll take well, that. I reckon we find out where the uh, the Middlesbrough players are staying and we go and uh, poison their food and give them their shits all night. That'd be great, wouldn't it? See, you were a vicious man. I was <laughs> When you started saying that, I was thinking like hire a, a mariachi band to sit outside all night. Maybe some fireworks. Fireworks, yeah, exactly. yeah. You're thinking fireworks. I'm thinking get a band playing outside. Mike's going full hog, for going full um, spears. Was it a few years ago getting food poisoning? Yeah. Uh, well, most of them stay at the uh, what's facing Hanley opposite the, the old Bet Three Six Five building, don't they? Uh, what what's that these days? Is it a Britannia or something? I don't know now. Um, Come it is, but I know a lot of them stay there. Typically, the the away teams do. So um, I'm not encouraging anyone to do that. By the way, just to make that very flipping clear, like I I am obviously joking. Uh, but yeah, I think the, you know a band's probably a good idea. Um, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe I was going to say actually no, I'll, I'll cut that off there I'll, I'll stop here while, while I'm ahead carry on Dan <laughs> <laughs> no keep going Mike keep going 
And I'm going to get in trouble for carry on. Middlesbrough players go down ill, serious poisoning, and then they listen to this podcast. Oh, there was something, and he did do it. Can you, oh, you know what social media is like. <laughs> they were struggling every step along the way. Yeah, so we on, we on the BBC us. website for not not a good reason, unfortunately. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, right, I'm going to cut this off. Let's get into some audio. We've got the ever present Graham McGarry. And also our friends from Middlesbrough. Hello there, once again, you potted predictors. This is Graham McGarry trying to forecast the next result for Stoke, who are on the road, of course, up to the northeast to take on Middlesbrough at the Riverside Stadium. Well, the last time Stoke were heading to the northeast, they came back empty handed and suffered a heavy defeat to the hands of Sunderland. They've got to try and do a lot better this weekend. In the bottom three now, and the real fight to stay in the championship is certainly starting in earnest. There's no room for many more slip-ups for Stephen Schumacher's side. And the free week will hopefully have ironed out a few problems, worked on the training ground, and they can put all the practice that they've done on the training ground down at Clayton Wood into the game against a Millsborough side who definitely don't draw many games and know how to lose as well. I think they've had 15 defeats this season, so Stoke will be hoping to make it 16. But how things are going at this particular time, Stoke might be just happy to come back with something on the board. Draw. Middlesbrough 1, Stoke 1. Hello guys, Johnny here from the Board Breakdown podcast. Thank you very much for having me on ahead of our game at the weekend. And to be honest, I think it's a game where both sets of supporters are pretty much dreading it. Um, we've been really bang out of, of form as of late, um, really inconsistent this season, had so, so many injuries. Um, and it's just kind of, te- I think our season's just kind of teetered away a little bit. Um, but for you guys as well, the turmoil that was currently happening on the Bet365, um, you know, manager under pressure, Jonathan Waters coming in. Um, is yeah, sporting director as well, and it's it's just interesting because it feels like this game for Borough is just a guaranteed loss. Um, a team that is in need of three points, a, a rallying call uh, from the sporting director, and also the manager under pressure. It all pretty much comes up to a Stoke winning two 0 uh, To be honest, and that is actually my prediction. I'm going to go Stoke two 0 uh, But in terms of our side of things, of where the side is at the moment. Still played with injuries, but I can still see us potentially switching shape for the weekend and going to a, a back three um, where we'll see Senny Dien come back and go for Tom Glover. I think Rav Vandenberg will play that right centre-half role with Paddy McNair and Matt Clark as the centre-halves with Engel and uh, Luke Ayling coming in at, at right-back. And then in the middle, I would probably say it's Barlasser and O'Brien because we don't have anyone else. Um, and then Finazaz and Riley McGree. Uh, just behind Emmanuel Latelaf, who has just came back from injury as well. We still have our seven or eight injured, um, and also we're fairly inconsistent. And confidence is low, especially at home. But away from home, we tend to be doing all right, given our last away game we beat Leicester. Um, and how we'll play and how we'll set up, I think we've we've struggled, I think, the last couple of games in terms of playing out and getting used to our old way of playing. But I'm hoping we try and get something um, at the game, if we can score an early goal, I think we'll try and dom- we can dominate the game from there. But for me, this is all just everything that's going on. I can just see a Stoke win. 
I really can. I can, I can see it being 2-0 Stoke and, and that's it. And that'd be very typical Borough from where we're currently at, at the moment, beating the good teams comfortably and losing against teams that we should be beating. All right, guys, thank you very much for having me on and all the best for the rest of the season. I hope you can you can stay up because I do love Stoke. You're, you're a good club. Cheers for that, Johnny. Thank you very much. And of course, thank you for Graham for his prediction previously. Now, I think it's time that we get into the nitty-gritty here. Who are we choosing? I've got a few things here. Obviously, Thompson's suspended. Two-game ban. Left-back. Who's going to play left-back? Is it Gooch? Is it McLaren? Is it Hoover? Um, do we even stick with the back four? Do we go three at the back and have wing-backs? Is that the best way to counter that? Uh, how many changes is Shui Roulette going to do this week? Everson, is he going to keep his place? Is Bonham going to come in? Um where is the best place for Manuf? Or no, options? I think the biggest the question, the biggest question, how do we get in front? <laughs> that is the biggest question. How do we make sure we score that first goal? Or at least we don't concede that first goal. Um, so yes, there are my questions. Over to you. Pick whichever one you want. Uh Mike. Okay, so, uh, yeah, firstly, we don't come out gung-ho. I know that we want to be the home team and take it to them, like I said. Uh, Don't do that. Literally just play it quite close to the chest. And that does not mean let them play in front of us. That means just keep the ball, keep possession, um, and look for opportunities, but do not leave yourself exposed. Get away from this inverted fullback nonsense. Just stick to a proper 4-3-3. Get um, Jack Bonham in goal. I know I feel dirty even saying it. I'm I'm only joking. Jack's coming for a lot of stick. He's not been that bad this year. Uh, So, yeah, for me, I think Iverson's Luke, he's made a few mistakes now. Uh, He's not using confidence for the rest of the team for me. So, uh, Jack Bonham uh, comes in. Uh, Lyndon Gooch goes at the left. I think, I agree that I think Gooch is the one that needs to be there. Wilmot and Rose in the middle. I would actually have uh, McNally uh, instead of Wilmot, but I don't think he's back fit yet. So, we can forget that one. Uh, obviously, Rose has been really decent actually recently, so he's got to stay there. Uh, and Junior goes at right back for me because, like I said, I think he's a traditional right back. He's he's good. Uh, midfield three of Pearson, Baker, and Berger. I want Pearson to be that man marshalling, covering at the fullback position if we you know, if we do need it. I just want him to sit and do nothing else. Let Berger, let Baker, let them do the hard work and the you know the more the creative side in there. Um, and then it's Manuf, Ennis, and Larice um, up front for me. That's what I'm going with. I think Larice has uh, again. We've talked about it, Dan. I think Larice has got a chance of working with Ennis. I think if 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 we decide that you know we need to change it up and we want to go longer, we can literally play that longer ball into Larice, and he can get his flick ons and and stuff, and maybe feed off second balls. You know, if, if we if we want to stop you know if, if they're obviously strong on the deck then let, let's let's avoid that and and bypass it almost entirely if we have to i just think it gives us options so that's uh that's my team hopefully uh, you're not too surprised that bonham's in but i think he i think bonham deserves his chance again laurie interesting uh like i say choices from mike uh, you I, i've a couple of them decisions you made there mike i've been like if and are in Bonham is, is indeed one of them, either so or Bonham. I'm, I can't. It's like a 50-50 sort of decision. Uh, Laurie, obviously, I've given them sort of questions before. Anyone 
you want to comment on before Angie's team out? Yeah, I, I mean, two goalkeepers, much of muchness really form-wise at the moment. Both could potentially make howlers, both could potentially um, do okay. So let's let's just toss a coin, Everson in. Uh, four two three one. I've gone for uh, junior right back Wilmot Rose Gooch on the left. Two sitters Berger and Baker. I know Baker's not really a sitter. I'd probably have him just just having a a bit of more of a reserved role for the first ten fifteen minutes of the game just to see how things pan out and just be watertight. Um, so yeah, those Berger and Baker just sitters, uh, Bay slightly higher up. Candle uh, would be dropped for me. Um, I, I've never really been a big fan of his either. I find him quite lightweight. Um, three forwards, uh, or should I say, two wingers? Manoff on the right, Campbell on the left, or you could switch those two over. I, I do think we need Campbell back. Um, Need a bit more invention. Uh, Ennis at nine. So, yeah, um, score the first goal by any means necessary and uh, then create from that platform. Fair enough. Um, I'm actually going for a formation change. So I'm going to go three at the back. And Everson just about keeps his place for me. I was listening to Aaron last week. And I think Jack Bonham's not really done anything wrong these last few games that he has played. So I think Everson is treading a fine line. Like I say, they see the second goal that went in last week. Um, one thing I do notice as well, like when Bonham plays, we do seem to go longer with the distribution. So he you know, seems to go along with his goal kicks, doesn't try and play out as much. And I think that, at the minute, seems to be quite where the issues are coming from. It's where the um, sort of the mistakes are coming from is when we're trying to sort of, like I say, play out. For me, the manager needs to just park his beliefs. I understand he wants to be strong with him. He wants to say this is, you know, be brave and all that. But at the minute, we, we're not in that situation where we can do that. We need to get results. That's first and foremost. However they come, um, I think, yeah, he needs to get himself through to the summer and make sure he's still got a job here in the summer. Otherwise, it's pointless doing all this work uh, implementing a style if he's going to be gone in a few weeks' time. So, yeah, he needs to, we need to get back on track, get, get a solid at the back. Um, like I say, get, get some wins, stay up, and he can then get to get, you know, implement all his ideas and how he wants to play during the six, seven weeks straight training that he's got in the summer. That's sort of my thoughts on that like I say Everton in goal back to me Hoover on the right Wilmot Rose to the left of the three and I mean Larice right wing back and Gooch left wing back um, Berger is going to be sitting slightly deeper I'm going to have uh, Baker and Juno both I want them to get forward and help out and uh, I'm going to have Man Hoff playing sort of I, mean, I, I sort of mentioned this a couple of weeks I think sort of like a free role off Ennis so I want Manhoff just buzzing about, taking up positions, finding bit little pockets of space wherever he wants, uh, and then sort of, you know, turning, turn the play on the half turn, then quickly get Ennis away, and I think use Ennis' pace 
to sort of get in behind. Like I say, if Manuf uh, or if Gucci and Larissa are getting forward, you've got Baker and Jono as well who can sort of, need, you know, they need to be four legs and joining the attack. Um, we've got good options on the bench here. You've got Vidigal, Campbell, got Lowe as an option right up front. Um, Kundal, Lorenz, so we've got midfielders uh, as well as wingers, attackers who can all come on if legs do get tired, if you know, you're asking them to get up and down or whatever. Because uh, I know that's a very energetic formation to play and you're asking a lot of people to put a lot of work in, especially the wing-backs. Um, the other subs obviously being Bonham, Clark, Pearson and Junior as well. For me, um, I am going to go with a 2-1 win for Stoke. Laurie, I'll let you give your prediction before mine. 1-1. Stoke to equalise rather than take the lead. You do know we haven't done that all season, don't you? You, You're sniffing (laughs) glue, aren't you, Laurie? Let's be honest. (laughs) I'm going to do it because it's just mad and these are mad times, so there you go. Mad and in times, you're correct there, Laurie, you're correct there. (laughs) Um. So I've been back and forth with this, but either way, I'm predicting a Stoke loss. Uh, I was saying a loss against Cardiff. You and Lucas, as I said, on the, on the Cardiff uh, spaces one, you and Lucas basically twisted my arm to make me feel confident going into Cardiff. I should have stuck to my guns. So I am sticking to my guns no matter what now. Uh, we'll lose to Middlesbrough. In my head, I'm seeing 2-0. I think there's going to be a lot of... Yeah, again, the Walters thing, the rally cry and all that. There's got to be all that. And typical Stoke fashion, they're going to pop our balloon uh, very quickly. I bloody hope I'm wrong. I really do. But I've got to stick with what I originally have said. So you're not changing my mind this time, I'm afraid. And everyone's miserable. Fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) We should have stayed on down. So we've got the optimistic me, the on the fence, Laurie. And the realistic, probably. <laughs> well, I've called the last five games in a row so far for results. So I'm, I'm not doing too bad. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> oh, I hope you're wrong. We all it's miserable. Wrong. I really no bloody offense. do as well. Because <laughs> um, if we that... don't, I'm really flipping concerned at that point. I really am. I'm concerned anyway, but that will just top it off for me, I think. Yeah. The button is getting pressed. At full time, if that is the case, Mike. Um, right, let's see how good you are at your predictions, actually. So, Super 6. So, this week, you outscored me midweek uh, with eight points to my six. Yes, oh. so uh, I think I was I three points ahead of you at the weekend, and you've just not uh, taken a couple of points off me in the midweek games. Thick and fast, these Super 6 rounds are at the minute. So I'm 50th overall now on 3-2-2, and you are 66 on 3-0-9. So uh, I'll put your order in soon for your mascot uh, uniform for the last game of the season. Uh, is there any preference on what player's hand you want to hold? Um, or Bay John Howe, do you want to hold his hand walking out? Well, whoever's, whoever's got less hair, because I think I'd... I'd... I'd settle in quite nicely there. I'm really gutted that I missed off two weeks' worth of points because I think it... I mean, we've been close all season. It's quite unusual. Me, me and you are nearly 
one's either well it's normally me actually who's way ahead <laughs> um and and the other way around and this year it's been constantly neck and neck and then those two games i've missed have screwed myself royally or else i reckon we'd be within a, a point or two of each other anyway the uh the people who are actually good at this game uh sean flanagan and nicholas yates are both joint top with 384 michael gadgeter is in third with 376 so we shall be taking some tips off you guys to help pull ourselves away from the 50s and 60s positions that we currently hold um gaffer so i have remained in 34th i picked up a mere 39 points this week to take me to 1909 uh this week's top scorer was ben blackwood who hit 69 points they rose him up to 21st overall with 2,400. Uh, Stokers Bay maintained their lead, 44 points, giving them 2,815. Atheo Joe stays second, uh, just behind on 2,799. And then there's a tie for third between Mr. Kadri and Red Arrow FC on 2,760. So, yes, the uh, especially the third place there, like I say, two. Two uh, joint positions there. It's all hotting up. Now, before we get the six times challenge out for you, Michael, you have got something for me and Laurie. Yeah, absolutely. And also, if anyone at home, I want to see it in the in the Facebook Messenger group, I want to see it in the Facebook group, Twitter, etc. So I, I want to hear other people's opinions. So as we know, we're not doing very well. Would you rather bring back Bojan for the rest of this season? It is peak. Or Mark Muniesa. You can only have one. I mean, we can't defend and we can't score, so... Exactly. <laughs> you can only have one. <laughs> are we going to try and outscore people or are we going to be solid in defence and hopefully the strikers will do the business? I'm going to go with Bojan because I think he can have more of an influence. As good as Mark Muniesa is... Uh, they can stay away from him and just find the other three gaps in the defence. <laughs> um, and as good as he is, if, if the right-backs keep drifting in field and giving the ball away, there's not much a lot he can actually do about that. Um, whereas I think Bojan could help us to uh, at the other end of the pitch, either scoring himself or putting him literally on a plate for somebody else. OK, fair dues. Uh, Laurie? Yeah, two votes. Bojan need goals, need creativity. Um, although, on the other hand, can you imagine the Booth and End singing the Mark Muniesa song again? Ma, 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 Mark Muniesa. Amazing that would be just over and over again for whole halves of football. Um, yeah, just just sheer carnival. But yeah, Bojan. Okay, interesting. I. I didn't know which way you were both going to go, if I'm honest. I was, I was a little bit unsure, but I was maybe thinking about would be one Bojan, one Muniesa, but okay. Uh, if, by the way, I'm not sure if you're interested. For me, I'd go Mark Muniesa, because I still think we've got just enough quality going forward. I know I've doubted that quality, but I still think there's enough in there. And like I said, I think we need the odd point here and there along the way. So I think Muniesa could help us do that. Bit of a, a leader at the back, I'd say as well, you know, leads by example more than anything else. Now, if we can get Muniesa and Shawcross back, then happy days, but that's not what we asked you. So, um, 
Interesting. Well, we're going to try and do this on a regular basis. So if anyone's got any uh, examples that you want us to to run through, uh, get them in the as I said, Facebook, Twitter, Messenger, whichever one. Uh, get them in there, and we'll we'll run through them each week. No problem. Um, now the six times challenge, Mike. Uh, I I think this one's probably one of the easier ones I've given you. Um, and obviously, you know, Laurie, you're you're sort of involved in this as well. And it, I'm trying to instill a bit of positivity going into the weekend, trying to reunite all them positive memories, you know, getting people thinking about the good times, okay? So, we have beaten six sides at home this season. Who are they? Well, Rotherham is the obvious one, right? Yes, so Rotherham 4-1 in the league on August the 5th and 6-1 in Six one in the Carabao Cup on August 29th. Uh, yes, Leeds. They were the uh, Leeds one nil victory, October 25th. QPR. QPR one nil victory, February the 14th. Yes, so they're the two most recent ones, and the first side we beat. Uh, Sunderland, I think. Yes, so Sunderland. That was October 21st, four days before we beat Leeds. Uh, we beat them. It was McNally and Ryan Mai on on uh, scoring the goals that day. And I mean, Laurie, I think I've got this next one as well because I remember uh, it was a a good little uh, Vidigal half volley. Do you know? Do you know which one I'm going to say? Yes. Yeah, I've got it. Watford. Watford. Yes, August nineteenth. Watford again. Like you say, yes. Uh, uh, peak Vidigal. I think we can now put that down as, can't we? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. that sort of time period. But yeah, came to the back stick then to and he's it's a beauty off volley back across the keeper and in. Yep. So yeah, just the one. Just the one left. So I mean Laurie again, I think I know this one, but do you have any ideas? Mm. Don't think league, think up. You might remember the Vidigal is kind of the hint there a little bit. Who do we always be? Yep, correct. <laughs> yes, West Brom, uh, Carabao Cup, 2-1 victory, August the 8th. Good shout. Yes, I think it was uh, Wesley hit the ball, you know, Wesley shot at the post, come, come back off, hit the keeper on the back of the head and went in for an own goal, start us off. I believe it was Thomas, Brandon Thomas Estante equalised, if I remember rightly, for West Brom. He did. And then, uh, yes, off the bench, steps Vidigal. Again, in his prime time. I mean, maybe that's the key. Maybe when the sun comes out, maybe Andre will refine <laughs> his, uh, his scoring boots, maybe. Problem, think, problem being, though, mate. That... Play or not, just, just, just grasping at any straw possible. Problem being <laughs> that he'll be on the beach at that point and he'll be on a you know, big beach football <laughs> with his family, not actually in the Stoke team. So, <laughs> yeah. The Arctic Monkeys chaps, they say it changes when the sun goes down. Yeah, <laughs> it certainly did. <laughs> well, we nailed it, Laurie. That was—I mean, you know what? There's been that few wins at home that I think they were quite easy to remember. To be honest, um, yes. Yeah, well, thanks for that, Daniel. Do you feel a bit more positive now after reliving all those all those wins? Yeah, we're going to win we, six. Don't we've we, got to leave it on the. We've got to leave it on that positive. Yes, and let's hope that we won't be able to do a repeat of that question again because there'll be more than six teams after Saturday. 
Go on, Stark. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.